In Laramie, Wyoming Territory, I met a square-jawed sheriff named Will Harper and his slack-jawed deputy named Clem. Um, I also lost $20. Frontier Gentlemen. with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. <laughs> Coach from Dry Creek and was on my way back to Cheyenne. Beside myself, there were two other passengers. One, a gaunt, stern-faced man named Barnaby, who spent most of his waking hours reading from the Bible. The other, Thad Clark, a miner who, having made a modest fortune, was on his way to his home in Illinois. It was late afternoon, the stage lurching along the well-worn road a few miles to the west of Laramie. I tell you, fellas, I can order me a, a dozen fresh eggs and all the fancy fluffed up they got in the best eating place in Laramie. A man should not be a slave to his stomach. Well, that ain't exactly I'm a slave, Mr. Barnaby. I sure won't mind pampering it for a while. If you'd eaten as much jerky and drunk as much brown gargle as I had, you'd go along with me. I'd go along, Mr. Clark. Once, you know, once for two months... I had to live on nothing but dried fish and rice. It was in India, a heat, heat, and land. You know, I got a hankering to do some traveling. Likely I'll take a trip out there, China, India. I got me enough gold dust never to box do a lot of things like that. Money is the root of all evil. Yes, it is. I'm sure going to find out when we hit What is it? Matter. Riders blocking the road. Now, don't get scared, folks. That's the hold up. Hold up. And if you got guns, keep them where they are. There's too many of them to put up a fight. My gold. Listen, I worked three years for that. So let's shoot it out. What do you say, Kendall? You got a gun? Look out the window. Five, six of them. Odds are against us, I'm afraid. They were on horseback, their faces completely masked cradling rifles and shotguns in their arms. Two of them remained in front of the coach. Three more took up positions to either side and behind. The sixth man, who appeared to be the leader, called to us to get out. Our driver nonchalantly climbed down from his seat and began to roll a cigarette. The miner, Clark, stood next to me, right hand clenched, hovering over his gun butt. You, mister, and you, do you mean me? No, no, the tall fella, another one. Unbuckle your gun belts and drop them. No need for anyone to get hurt. I'm a poor man. I have no worldly goods. Sorry to hear that, brother. You a preacher? No, that's too bad. I never robbed a sky pilot. 
You sent out your pockets, all of you. Driver? Yeah. What you carry? Nothing much. Well, we'll take a look, see. Yeah, Frank, you can cover. CD will help me search. Uh, Driver, climb up there and throw down the boxes. Sure. All right, James. Nice and quiet. Let's tell you, kids, all about it. Kind of a puny wallet. Don't take that. It's all I have. Forty, forty, fifty dollars. Well, now you ain't got any worldly goods for sure, Frank. What about him, CD? Two dollars is all. You take a look in the coach. Uh-huh. Driver, climb down. Open up them boxes. Sure. All right, now you, mister. Here. You won't find much. It's the right handsome looking watch you got there. I like it. Take it off. No. <laughs> Come on now, take it off. It has a great sentimental value to me. It can't be worth more than a few dollars to you. It all adds up, mister. Take it off. No. <laughs> you think it's worth your life? In a way. Hey! Hey, look at here what I found! Uh, who belongs to this? It's mine. Guess ain't no use asking you to leave it be. That's a fact. It sure breaks my heart the way you river snipers have to sweat to get that much done. Give them back a sack of it, see, dear. See what's in their mother boxes. Here you are, Father. Enough for grub, sir. Uh, about that watch. Is it worth killing me for it? <laughs> Mister, that's a plumb loco question. I plugged a fellow once over a chaw at the back. What's your name? Kendall. I'd like to meet a man with guts. All right, you keep that watch, Kendall. It's a present. And the breeze, boys, is right. It's coming up the road. Hold on. Pick up your gun. Hey, you got one. You got him. Wounded man clung to his saddle for a few yards, then toppled over and fell to the ground and was still. The others disappeared in a cloud of dust along the road to the west. A moment or two later, a group of horsemen rode up. They were led by an exceedingly tall man wearing a large and rather ornate bag. Where did they go? Hey, they went that way. They, they killed him. Here's that one. He's lying right over the eye. You must get it. Well, you and the boys get after him. We'll do that, sir. You uh, recognize any of them, Devil? No. Must be new around here, Sheriff. I never did see him before. I figure I've been held up by most of the hold-up men in the territory. All right, let's take a look at that fellow you shot. Like a few gents, we came along. Very lucky. Sure hope your boys catch up with him. Don't worry, we'll get him. Yeah, that's the last round up for this outlaw. Plum through the hill. I shoot him, miss. Well, let's get that mask off. Uh, any of you ever see him before? Oh, yeah. No, no. no papers. I didn't think there would be. Well, I guess you gents can go on your way. I'll be glad if you stop by my office in Laramie and make out a report of what was taken. Dean Parker. We'll offer. Hey, uh, you're new in Laramie, ain't you sure? Yeah. 
Just took over last month. Aim to do some cleaning up. You got no worries. You'll have your valuables back by tonight. The sheriff followed his posse. We went on to Laramie. On our arrival, Mr. Barnaby went off with a severe-looking woman, whom I assumed to be his wife. Thad Clark was kind enough to take me to dinner. Afterwards, we walked down to the sheriff's office. He sat behind his desk, powerful, square-jawed, steely-eyed, the picture of an iron-nerved man of the law. At a smaller desk, his discreet deputy was filling out some papers. Harper looked up as we came in, nodded briskly. Evening, Jim. Sit down, sit down. Go ahead and fetch another chair. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. You caught those fellows, huh? We trailed them, all right. Uh, Mix up, Governor. Uh, thank you. I gather that you didn't catch them? Well, like I say, we know where they are, just a matter of time. My deputy here, Clam, he's making out the report right now. I'd better get back to it, Clem. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. Now, uh, you uh, want to give me a list of what was stolen? Not much of a list, Sheriff. Just ten sacks of gold dust, about $5,000. You get that, Clem? I sure did, sir. And uh, you, Kendall's my name, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, $20 in my wallet. Uh, Kendall, Kendall. Uh, say, aren't you that English newspaper fellow I heard about back in Cheyenne? I'm an English newspaper man, yes. Well, I'm proud, mighty proud. I reckon you'll be writing all this up for your paper. I imagine I will. Good, good. And you'll get a chance to see how we take care of bad men in Laramie. Things are going to be different around here. I'd admire to have you stick around, Kendall. We've got new methods, scientific, like they've been using in these. That's fine, but what about my goal? Those hold-up boys must be in Colorado by now. <laughs> you hear that, Clem? <laughs> I sure did, sir. That's a funny one. That's funny. <laughs> I'll tell you where they are, gents. Right this minute, I can put my finger on them. But I'm going to wait for morning. They're holed-up in the Centennial Mine. They get about 30 miles west of here. That's where we travel them, isn't it, Clem? That's the place, sir. We got four men watching right this minute. Campbell, how'd you like to ride out with me in the morning and uh, watch us pull in a bunch of outlaws? That'd be very interesting, Sheriff. Well, this will be just about the most important story you've ever written. And I'll be glad to help you make your name, Campbell. Ah, well, let's offer you. Come Sheriff, Sheriff, I've seen one of them. Maybe two, maybe all of them. Well, now, now, easy, pardon me. I, I tell you, they're down at Lazy Kate's saloon. Them same fellas did the hold up this afternoon. Oh, no, no. Driver, it can't be. We know where they are. We sure do, mister. Up in Centennial. And they came back to Laramie. I recognize the voice. Now, now, voices can fool you. Take my word. We got them boxed in 30 miles west. It's them. I swear I can pick them out even without the masks. Uh, do you think it might be an idea to go down and have a look, Sheriff? Just in case. Man's an almighty fool not to follow lead. You want I should take the scatter guns, Mr. Harper? Don't see there'll be a need, Clem, if it's them, which I know it isn't. The old peacemakers will do our talking. Yes, sir. Driver, you come and point out your suspects. Clark, you better stay put. All right with me. Just get that gold dust back. That's all I want. Say, I'd rather like to come along, too, if you don't mind, Sheriff. You may be a greenhorn, Kendall, but you've got guts. Let's go. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. 
CBS newsmen Walter Cronkite and Wells Church have teamed up to bring you a concise but comprehensive nightly report. Sunday through Thursday evening, join us on CBS Radio when it's time for Walter Cronkite and the news. Friday and Saturday night at the same time, hear Wells Church and the news on most of these same stations. Both men are experts on world affairs, and each in his own way makes following the news an exciting adventure. And now we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. For the second time that day, I had been apprised of the fact that my guts were organs of some consequence. Once by an outlaw who had stolen my wallet and its contents, and again by an outside sheriff who wore a diamond-studded badge and carried two tremendous guns low on his hips. The four of us walked down the street. Sheriff Harper, his deputy, whom I only knew as Clem, the stagecoach driver, and myself. We arrived at the Lazy Kate Saloon. It was fairly well crowded, but almost immediately the driver spotted the men in question and pointed them out to us. Two of them, their backs to us, standing at the bar. These are the ones. Maybe the other fellows alongside, too. Let's get a good look at them. All right. You better stay here, Travis. General, you stay behind Clement. If you think you recognize the voices, just sing out. You bet I will, Sheriff. Let's go, Clement. I don't think he can't do the job. I'll ride along with old Colt 44. Now, that's for sure. That there's one sweet piece of artillery. I beg your pardon, uh, gentlemen. Haven't we met before? You talking to me, mister? That's right. This the man, General? His voice. Looks like him. The other chap's the one he called C.D. Oh, Sheriff, is there something wrong? What's your name, mister? Fred Cole. You? Sylvester. Noah Sylvester. Who are these other boys? Who them? I don't know. I never saw them before tonight. Right, keep your hands on the bar, gents. Sheriff, we supposed to have done something? It's like a matter of a hold-up this oh, afternoon. Oh, us. Surgeon Clem, watch out for a belly gun. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. But, but mister, you've got the rough old man. Me and Noah, we ain't no lettuce. I know. Chuck, I don't even carry a gun. Me neither. Air's clean, Sheriff. Well, sure, we're clean. You got us mixed up with two other fellas, did I don't think so. I'm taking you both in. Stagecoach driver identified you as well. If it's a mistake, you got nothing to worry about. If it isn't, there'll be empty saddles for you and the misty beyond. Let's go. We took them back to the sheriff's office, and they were locked up protesting rather mildly and seemingly quite unworried. I could see that their manner had a profound effect on Harper. He must have felt that in my eyes his reputation was at stake. Unequivocally, he had stated that the hold-up men were trapped 30 miles away in the mine shafts of Centennial. Now, three of the victims had identified the ringleaders under his very nose in Laramie. He must have found it rather awkward, because after an hour or so of questioning, he faced Clark the driver, and me, and said, Gentlemen, I've questioned those boys in there for better than an hour. I reckon I know men as well as the next man, maybe some better. And I'll see here and now that those fellas are innocent. 
They're not. Yes, yes, and I know those horses anyway. I know how you feel. But in the morning, when we bring the outlaws in, you thank me. And you won't have it on your conscience that two innocent cowpunchers were unjustly locked up. In other words, you're going to release these men? Well, that's about the size of a kin. In spite of the fact that all three of us know their voices, we couldn't all be wrong. Even so, you're going to let them go? Well, now, Kendall, this is a matter of law. They got nothing on them, sure as they took any of your valuables. You identify a voice, but not a face. That isn't going to stand up in court. Besides, there isn't much I don't know when it comes to following sides. That sure is so. Sheriff used to be a scout for Colonel Custer. Those a uh, whole lot men never double back to Laramie. You can take my word. Uh, would there would there be any harm in holding these chaps at least until you bring in the others in the morning? Well, at, at least on suspicion. General, I wouldn't want you writing in your paper that the sheriff of Laramie took the law in his own hands. I've got a mighty big job to do in this town, mighty big. You're worrying about your job in his newspaper. I'm worrying about my five thousand dollars they robbed off me. Well, I guess I could hold them till morning. I could do that. That's all we want. You know, ever since I seen that big fellow without his mask, I got a feeling. What sort of a feeling, Driver? Incidentally, what is your name? Driver? Elwood Driver. It kind of gets you, don't it? Me being a stagecoach driver and all? Driver! Well, anyways, about that fella, I, I keep thinking maybe I seen him somewhere. Where? I don't know. Hey, yeah? yeah, what do you want, Cole? Me and Sylvester, we were wondering, how about some grub? Sure. Glenn, go across the eatery and get them to rustle up some grub for the boys. Sure will, Mr. Harper. And I guess I'll check in at a hotel and get some shut-eye. You can share my room if you want, Kendall. Oh, thank you. As a matter of fact, I hey, was... Yeah? Yeah? Well, me and Sylvester, we just thought of something. Maybe we can prove that we ain't the fellas you're looking for. Cool. Speak your piece. Well, now, these fellas, they say they was held up about ten miles outside of Laramie. That's right. And what time? Sixish? Yeah, what I tell you, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, Sylvester, he remembers there's folks who could tell you. We was right here in Laramie all afternoon and about sixish. Now, that's so we couldn't be in two places to once, could we? That's for sure. Now, that's for sure. You'll have to admit that, Sheriff. Well, who are your witnesses, boys? Three fellows down to the Sherman Hotel. We were playing billiard, drinking beer with them. I, I don't recollect their last names. See, there was a, a Jim... Jim... Jim Hankers. Jim Hankers, Hankers that was, yeah. and then Zach. And Zach and a brother, his, uh, uh, Jake. That's right. You go ask for them, Sheriff. I'll tell you. Well, you find I'm a fair man, boys. If you're telling the truth... I'll be fair with you. I knew you'd give us a square deal, Sheriff. Quite convenient, isn't it? What? Those three witnesses popping up. Might be so, Ken. Man's innocent till proved guilty. That's the law. Yeah, but there was six of them in the holdup. Kendall plugged one. That leaves five. Two you got in there. The other three down the Sherman Hotel. My thoughts exactly. You just saying that five outlaws doubled back on me... You reckon I lost the trail of five men? You reckon they'd all be fool enough to come into Laramie after a daylight holdup? They might be smart enough to. Mr. Kendall, that's a mighty big paper you write for. And I guess you do a real fine job. 
But you're no lawman. I'd be impatient with you, gents, because I felt sorry for you. But I'm the sheriff of Laramie, and from here on in, I'm going to have to run things my way. Sheriff, it's... Soon as Clem gets back, I'm walking down to the Sherman. If I find those boys that Cole and Sylvester say they were with this afternoon, that's all I need to know. You'll free them? That's what I aim to do. It was useless to argue with them. A few minutes later, his deputy Clem returned, and Sheriff Harper strode manfully out of his office. Driver and Clark left a moment afterwards. They were beaten men and were going to the nearest saloon to get drunk. I decided to stay. I had to see what I knew was going to happen. Half an hour later, he came back. One look at the smile on his face told me all I needed to know. Clem, unlock the cell. Yes, sir, Mr. Harper. Why, you found them? Yep. Well, just as a matter of curiosity, Sheriff, if they were lying, would you have known it? Yeah, I'd know it. That's why I'm sheriff. Come on out, boys. You found them, huh, Sheriff? And they told you where we were. I owe you gents an apology. Oh, no, that ain't necessary, Sheriff. You were only doing your duty. Well, it's mighty large of you to take it that way. Fred, I guess we'll be on our way, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, say, uh, Mr. Kendall, uh, that there is a right handsome watch you're wearing, Mr. Kendall, but I don't suppose you'd want to part with it. Well, uh, so long. Real Ooh. nice knowing you, Sheriff. Yeah, so long, Sheriff. So long, Clem. So he, long. He is the same one. It's all right, Kendall. No, wait a minute, you take it easy. He's the it's all Mr. right. Harper. Mr. Harper? You know, I... I was just looking through these wanted posters that come in in the morning mail. Yeah. Now, now there's one picture here. The fella's got a kind of familiar face. Here, here, you see? Yeah. Yeah. Jesse James, $5,000 reward for the capture of dead or alive. Sheriff! I remember. I remember where I seen that fella. He's Jesse James. That's who? Jesse James. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? Jesse James. Jesse James? And Mr. James just left, Sheriff. I don't think he'll be back. This time, Jesse James left Laramie for good. Followed a day later by Sheriff Will Harper and his inestimable deputy, Clem. The irate citizens of Laramie gave them quite a send-off. My second encounter with the Jesse James gang was a little more fortunate than the first. This is what happened. Frontier Gentlemen! an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you the latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Keeping one ear to the ground may offer fine possibilities for calisthenics, but when it comes to keeping up with world affairs... 
you'll find CBS News much more reliable, much more convenient, too. Regularly scheduled CBS News programs, like those featuring Walter Cronkite and Wells Church, come to you on most of these same stations throughout the week. They keep you right up to the minute with history, with concise, informative reports. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Thaddeus Clark was a miner returning to Illinois from the western Wyoming gold mining country. He and I shared a common bond. We had both been held up by Jesse James and his companions outside of Laramie. But Clark had been relieved of some $5,000 in gold dust, whereas my loss, although leaving me stony broke, amounted to a matter of only $20. In all friendliness and goodwill, Clark offered to pay for my ticket to Cheyenne, where I was sure my remittance from England would be waiting me. I accepted the loan, and the two of us boarded the train. As we waited in the station for our departure, I commented to the conductor on the fact that except for us, the carriage was empty. Yeah, these days, folks is moving west. Not many coming back. You should have seen us last trip out to Salt Lake. Biggest crowd in the year. Any particular reason for that? No, just like a plague of locusts. No telling why. Same with Eastern folks. Seems they all decided once to pull up stakes and head out this way. Of course, there'll be more getting on in Cheyenne. How soon will we be pulling out, mister? Mm, about two minutes. Driving Cheyenne, barring Buffalo, Indians, and bad men at 4.30. Buffalo and Indians is all right. We've had enough of bad men. That's so. Trouble, huh? And we had the dubious honor of being held up by Jesse James. You don't say... <laughs> Well, Jesse James, I'd get something to see him. We did. Well, sir, proud to have met you, boys. Have a good trip. Jesse James. <laughs> He's impressed. He can afford to be. Now, what do you plan to do now? Will you still go back to Illinois? I haven't made up my mind. Got enough to last for a while. Well, maybe I'll go on back to Sweetwater Country after I spend a little while in China. And gold again? Yeah. Plus, I'm lucky enough to hit a vein. How about you? Oh, I'm not sure. I've been thinking about working my way through Dakota territory. And perhaps down to Kansas. I'd like to see Dodge City. Well, can't say I'll be sorry to see the last lap. <laughs> I can't exactly blame you. Hey! Coming out of the waiting room. Those two men. Both men were well-dressed and carried no luggage. They ran toward the train and then disappeared from view. But I'd had enough time to recognize at least one of them. It was Jesse James' companion, the one we knew only as C.D. They got on. I'll swear they did. Did you see him, C.D., did you? Yes. You think the other fellow's one of the gang? I never saw him without a mask, but I'd be willing to bet on it. Keep your head down. Pretend to be asleep. I'll read the newspaper. Right. 
Let's get him, Tom. No. Not yet. Keep your head down. They look back for him. Can you see? What are they doing? Just sat down. Up at the front. Get my hands on that sneaking low-down... And the question is, are the others on the train, too? Hey, come on, come on. Me, yeah. He might have gone on further back. We didn't see him. My five thousand. If they've still got it, you might get it back. <laughs> What's going on now? All right, I've got a bottle. Taking a drink. All right. I think now is as good a time as any. Get out your gun. You sure it's loaded? Yep. They'll walk up there quietly. Sit down behind them. If they see us before we get there, drop to the floor and start shooting. Don't worry. Come on, then. Listening to Arthur Godfrey's time five days a week is a virtue that comes with a built-in reward. Arthur and the gang have just one thought in mind, to bring you entertainment. Since their songs and comedy do just that, you do yourself a favor every time you tune them in. Every weekday, join us on most of these same stations for Arthur Godfrey Time. Two men who had robbed us, members of Jesse James' gang, occupied seats at the front of the carriage. Clark and I moved up the aisle toward them, the carriage rocking and swaying as we rounded the bend. We sat down behind them. Now listen, I tell you, I've seen it. I've seen it myself, Billy. This fella, he's only got one eye, and, and Frank, he don't like the way the car is going. Well, he figures the one-eyed Jim is doing some fancy dealing. <laughs> So he skins his gun out. You've seen Frank draw. I sure have seen him draw. he lays it on the table in front of him and he says, Well, boys, we're going to have fresh deal. Fellas in the game, they take one look at Frank's face. This one, they say, All right, Frank. Sure, sure, anything you say. Frank says, All right, now we've got that settled. And you know what he's doing all this time? <laughs> he's tapping on that gun lately. Well, he's talking, and he says, now we got that settled, I'm saying right now, that from here on there ain't going to be nothing but square deal. I ain't making no accusations, nothing like that. But I'll tell you, if I catch any son of a gun cheating again, I'm going to shoot his other eye out. <laughs> there you go. Good story. But don't turn around, gentlemen. Just put your hands up. All the way. Hey. Don't I know you? Recognize the voice, huh? Campbell? And Clark, where's my gold? All in good time. Better search them first. If they try anything while I'm doing it, Clark, shoot CD in the back of the neck. Right here. How? Uh, oh. Just so. Well, 
An unexpected pleasure, C.D. I don't think I've met your companion. Billy. Billy Badger. All right, Billy. Keep those arms stretched nice and high. Arsenal. And it does for you. Now, C.D., very carefully, get up and come out into the aisle. You hold these, Clark. Mm. Two more. Ah, that's better. What about the gold? Uh, yes, I was coming to that. Sit down, C.D., Now, what about Mr. Clark's gold? We ain't got it. Oh? Who has? Jesse? And where is Jesse? We don't know. Do we, Billy? No. That's a fact. We split up. Did you? And where did Mr. James go? I told you. We don't know. Yeah, so you did. Which makes it rather awkward for you two gentlemen. Now, are you going to kill us? Oh, look, you, you can't do that. Without the money you stole, you're not much use to Now, just wait a minute here. Hold on. I, I, I've got some. Here. Maybe 200 in gold. There's another 50 in paper. I got about the same. Hand it over. Sir, that leaves about... Forty-five hundred you owe us. Now, now listen, we can give it to you, but... You were saying? Nothing. Oh, all he meant was... When we get to Cheyenne, maybe raise the money there for you. Is that what he meant? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're lying, Kendall. I agree. No, we ain't lying on it. We sure ain't. You want first shot, Clark? Sure. Uh, not in the stomach, though. They, they make so much noise. Now, now that's downright murder. Stand up in the aisle, boys. We don't want to get blood all over the seat. Wait, now, look. Wait a minute. You can get your money. Shut up, Billy. But just shut up. Kendall, I bet you five bucks you can't take off in here at five paces. Who's? Either one. I'll take Billy. Is that a bet? And which here? Right or left? Um... Left. Hmm? Left. Uh, move over, CD. Billy, back up the door. Now, look, fellas. You've got nothing to worry about, Billy. He's bluffing. Back up. He's bluffing, Billy. How do you know? It's your ears. Yeah, that's far enough, Billy. Ready? You ain't got the guts, kid. Don't worry, Billy. You ain't got the guts. Oh. Missed. That's five, you owe me. Same bet. You try it. All right. So, so I'll tell you. You shut up, Billy. You shut up. You shoot this, you. Frank sat in the next carriage back, carrying them gold sacks we took off. Anybody else with him? No. Where no, he's James? alone. Where is James? We're meeting him up ahead. Good. I'll sit down again. Both of you. Clark, I'll get stuck. Keep an eye on these fellows. What's he wearing, Billy? Oh, regular black sad coat, vest, bowler hat. He's about your height. Wouldn't you figure, C.D.? 
Yeah, I guess. Fine. If they give you any trouble, Clark. Well, we won't give no trouble, huh? I moved back through the carriage and out onto the open platform, climbed over the railing, and into the next coach. I looked for the conductor, but he was nowhere in sight. Then I spotted the man who answered the description of Frank Stack. He was sitting alone. But I felt uneasy when I saw that the seats both behind and in front of him were occupied. Keeping my gun hidden underneath my jacket, I quickly moved down the aisle and sat down next to Stack. Here, find another place, mister, right away. This is a gun, Stack. See? Now, we don't want any of the people in here to be hurt, do we? Hey, you're the fellow that... That's right. The one you held up near Laramie. Pick up your bag and walk ahead of me. And I'll let you... Don't talk. Just do as you're told. Yeah. yeah, all right, but don't, don't get itchy. We're going to join your friends up in the next coach. Walk slowly, behave yourself, and you may live until we reach Cheyenne. Yes, sir. ain't going to prove nothing. I'm over the railing. Man could get killed between the coaches. Man could get killed standing here unless he stopped arguing. I'll hold the bag. No, no, you don't have to. Oh, yes, I do. Thank you. Off you go. Open the door and go in. I thought you'd sit. There ain't nobody in here. Fuck. in front of me, I walked the length of the empty car. Then, where Clark had been sitting, I found him. The miner was sprawled out on the coach floor, wedged between seats. An ugly cut on his head, a trickle of blood running from it. Get more for the money you spend. Earn more on the money you save by making use of the practical information that comes your way on the business news. Throughout the week on CBS Radio, our business news brings you Walter Cronkite or Bill Downs with an up-to-the-minute report on price trends, marketing conditions, and everything else of a business nature that's likely to interest you. Join us on most of these same CBS radio stations when it's time for the next edition of the business news. I had a pretty good idea where the other two road agents had gone. In front of our carriage was the mail and baggage car. I disarmed Stack and forced him to lie face down on the floor while I tried to help Clark. It took about ten minutes for him to recover consciousness. Clark. Uh, hey, Clark. Uh, Clark. Uh, I, I thought I was dead. Clark, what happened? Well, we... We hit a, a rough bit of rail on a curve. Threw me off balance. And the next thing I knew, that CD was all over me. He, he got one of the guns we left lying on the seat. 
That's where... Ooh. Here. This might make you feel better. Open up the bag. Hey. What's he doing down there? Yet shooting? No. He's just behaving himself. Hey! Hey, my gold! Seven. Wait a minute. There's only seven. Where's the other three sacks? Sir, ask him. Where's the rest of my gold, mister? Get up, Stack. Where is it? Jesse lost it in the poker game last night back in Florida. He did, huh? Where do you suppose the meat chains? Hmm? No, don't worry. They'll tell me. Doc, go and find the conductor. Tell him the other two are in the baggage car. Right. Now, here, take his gun with you. Now, Mr. Stack, I'm only going to ask you once more. Where are you meeting James? More? No, no, no. Wait to Dale Creek Bridge. Ah, so that's the game. Train hold up this time, huh? How many with him? Just one. What's the plan? You flag down the train this side of the bridge. C.D., Billy Badger, and Neil clean out the baggage car. Then wait for the westbound out of Cheyenne. As soon as it crosses Dale Creek Bridge, we blow up the trestle and empty out their baggage car. I see. Single track, two trains facing each other, bridge down. The only way to go is Laramie. You fellas hightail it for the east, right? Yeah. Hmm. Effective. By the time they're able to get to Laramie and telegraph the news to Cheyenne, I imagine you'll be well on your way to Dakota Territory. Well, we'll have to try to do something about this, won't we? He didn't answer. Just stood there, glaring at me. A minute or so later, Clark came back, followed by the conductor. I told them what was in store for us. The first thing we did was to bind stacks securely and place him under the guard of one of the other passengers. Then we had to work out the best plan of procedure. I don't know. Dale Creek Bridge ain't so far off. Maybe five minutes, probably less. We're making pretty fair time. Is there any way of getting into the baggage car besides with the door? No, sir. I've got no key. Mail truck must have opened it for them. Side door is sealed, too. Only way to get in is to... Blow it in. No, no. If you ask me, we'll keep right on going. Right into Cheyenne. Then we can let the marshal get him out. It's a good idea, except for one thing. James has already got the charge laid to the bridge, and we don't stop on signal. He might blow it up. Not with his own boys aboard. Well, I shouldn't like to risk the lives of your passengers on the supposition that James has a tender heart. How much gold are you carrying in the baggage car? hundred thousand? Lester, from what I've seen of Jesse James, for a hundred thousand in gold, he'd set fire to his own mother. You won't give two hoots and a holler about the rest of his gang. Yeah, yeah. Now, if they don't suspect that anything is wrong, when they signal you to stop, you stop. Well, there's only two of them. I want to avoid the possibility of one meeting the train and the other waiting to set up the charge. Once we can get them both in sight, we can shoot it out. Makes good sense to me. I'll go up and tell the engineer. No, you, you warn the passengers. Tell them not to panic. I'll talk to the engineer. You'll have to go over the top of the baggage car. I'll manage. Well, we better get a move on. We haven't much time. But it took longer than I thought it would to convince a highly suspicious engineer. So that by the time he agreed to stop the train, if so ordered, 
We were only a scant minute from Dale Creek. I remembered the trestle from another trip I had taken a few weeks before. It was more than 130 feet high, spanning a chasm between six and 700 feet in width. The thought of a charge blowing up as we were crossing was not pleasant. I left the engine cab and had just reached the platform standing between the baggage car and the coach when there was a scream of brakes. Anything? Uh, not yet. Yes. There's one. He's on horse. Standing by the engine. I can't see who it is. Nobody on this side. Well, unless they're going to blow up the side of the car, James is either going to have to get in through here, or C.D. and Badger will have to come out. Maybe they're waiting for one of the boys to get off. You figure there's some kind of signal we don't know about? I don't know. Wait a minute. There's another. Both of them now. Come over here. Yeah. That's James on the black horse, see? Yes. Keep back. Hello, look out! Jesse James and his companion were gone. When we reached Cheyenne, Frank Stack and the bodies of C.D. and Billy Badger were turned over to the marshal. Dad Clark recovered all but $750 of his fortune, and I, my $20. As well as being able to boast that I had fired at and missed the notorious Jesse James. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.D. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell as Clark, Stacey Harris as C.D., Charles Seal as the conductor, and Vic Perrin as Billy Badger. again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman, Bud Sewell speaking. <laughs>